I found a little Mickey on VHS today. <laughs> This movie was something, dude. House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie. Strike <laughs> 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 the Burn with the wind. I swear to God, I had the same idea. Burn my dragon. House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003, the directorial debut of one Rob Zombie. Um, Dylan, you were a young chap in 2003. I was, I was. Twas, twas. When did you first see this? Do you remember, like, when you first... Were you kind of late to this movie, or was it around the time frame? No idea. <laughs> I have no. I don't remember uh, when I first watched this. I know I was young. All I can remember, honestly, is um, we'll get into it. But all I remember when the first time I watched it, the first I want to say six minutes, right up until and through the opening credits, was like a game changer for me. It fucking, like, the opening had me so hooked, so on board. I was like, whoa, this movie's pretty dope. Like, I've never seen a mo- horror movie open like this. And I, so I guess I was maybe pretty young. I just thought it was really cool. And then from there, that's all I can remember. <laughs> I can to remember. This, to this day, I don't remember anything besides the opening, which will make for an interesting podcast. <laughs> And I will say, next to um, 31, and maybe Lord Lords of Salem, I probably, like, watch this uh, least of all, next to, like, 31. Wow. But you I, like this way more than 31. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't... So it's not that it's close in your dislike it's just what keeps you from rewatching it just doesn't as not as rewatchable as some of his other stuff no i get that yeah like fuck it we're just gonna we're just gonna go all over the place like what makes this movie work is sid Haig, and the fact that he's not in it a good amount i mean he's in it a good amount but not a lot Mm. um i think like does the movie a lot of uh, poo poo. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Hmm. Sorry, guys. Um, it's just kind of eh. But then when you get to Devil's Rejects, him, um, 
oh my god the other two i forget their name <laughs> baby and otis yeah but what's the actor's name anyways oh they're really likable and they have charm and this one they are just so fucking annoying like they might as well almost be different characters by the time we get to devil's rejects i don't know there's just something about this movie like rewatching it i find it very annoying i only like sid Haig's character i think everybody else in the movie is really annoying um the editing i think is really awful <laughs> um there's a lot of weird like editing choices and it shit gets kind of confusing i remember the first time watching it being a little confused too even though it's a pretty straightforward like just texas chainsaw massacre-esque horror movie. right um I don't know. I, I don't find a lot of rewatchability in this. If I do rewatch it, um, the last time I rewatched it was to show my girlfriend. And I haven't rewatched it since. If I want to rewatch it, I just watch the clips with Sid Haig on YouTube. I agree with the rewatchability thing. That that stood out to me as well. And it definitely stood out to me. I, I rewatched it for this earlier today. And... I gotta be honest, there's a lot of things I legit didn't know what was gonna happen next. That's how long it's been since I, I I was like, wait a second, when's the last time I watched this and how much was I paying attention? I knew I, I liked it. I you know, I own it. And of course I now I'm just now realizing I own this and I just watched it on Netflix, but I guess it's just way easier. But uh I agreed. Uh Captain Spaulding, the character Sid plays in this movie he's kind of like the um the joker in the dark knight a bit like he steals like anytime you like you look forward to seeing him again like right. when anytime like he comes back it's like oh night he because he's just so perfect and great as his character and he kind of besides i don't know maybe one scene where the sheriffs come in he kind of like bookends this movie yeah you know and um so yeah i definitely think like, if I want to see the Firefly family, this is not the movie that I go to. No. You know, it's Devil's Rejects by far. And you're right, the character, like, uh, Bill Mosley, the name we were looking for earlier, as Otis, seems like such a... And then you picture him in The House of a Thousand Corpses and then picture him in Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. It's a lot different. It's a He's, huge fucking difference. Like, I... It's a like I remember what like it's to the point where it's like shocking seeing this movie. I was like, is he playing the same right char character? Yeah, <laughs> is that is that the Otis that we've seen later? And we'll talk about Devil Rejects another time. But what's what's really masterful about it is the fact that like just from going to this movie to that movie, the fact that they are able to make those characters likable and emotional, and you actually because they're still you know they're like in this they're rapists they're killers they're fucking monsters yeah but then when we get to devil's rejects we kind of like sympathize with them and we we actually grow to like them and care, dare i say care about them whereas mm. in this movie i could get i want to kill bill mosley and i want to kill fucking mama zombie whatever name uh baby and baby what's what's her name though sherry moon sherry sherry moon because uh, they are so fucking annoying. Also, their characters are awful. Like that, like they're, you know, um, 
so it's weird. It's weird. Like, why does this movie not work? And why does Devil Rejects work? <laughs> you know, because they're basically playing the same characters. It's just maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's the editing. Um, because, well, yeah, Sid Haig, in, in my opinion, is the only you take him out of this movie. There's nothing to this movie other than some cool visuals. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. And just, I guess, to catch everyone up. Maybe if you haven't seen this in a while or by, by some chance haven't seen it yet. Basically, it's just a crazy, I don't know if you want to call them redneck, just a crazy off their rocker family of murderers who do sadistic things. And hillbillies. This, hillbillies, yeah, I guess. And uh, this movie specifically follows people who, I don't know, they I guess they sucker in and... And I don't, it follows a specific like two couples in this movie, and that's who we're al- on the ride with, I guess. Yeah, a classic movie. horror movie setup. Yeah. Just uh, two couples traveling across country, looking to write a book. The two guys are looking to write a book on like, uh, like roadside attractions and curiosities. Mm-hmm. And that's when they come across Captain Spaulding's Museum of Madness and Mayhem. Is that it? I think so. And I it's just a- watched it. And- <laughs> I don't even well, know their names. I know it was the guys we're talking about are Rain Wilson and Chris Hardwick. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and which I was kind of weird. It's got it's a horror movie like set up fine. Um, and I think what works in this movie is the first like thirty minutes. It's so fucking gnarly and cool and a little different. And so like you know the first scene. Let's talk about the first scene. Right. It's one of my favorite intros to a horror movie ever because it's just so much fun. We get introduced to Captain Spaulding, who plays, who's played by Sid Haig, who's a clown who runs a gas station slash museum of like weird curiosities and uh, serial killers. And there's like a as part of the gas station, there's a serial killer ride. Um, and he also gives out uh, chicken. Yeah, he gives and he gives off fried chicken. It's all over the place, but it works and it just starts up with like a conversation between Captain Spaulding and this other like redneck guy. Mm. And I don't know, it just there's so much charm and the look of Captain Spaulding is so fucking dope. And then all of a sudden, um these two burglars break in with ski masks and they're uh holding them at gunpoint trying to rob him and Tell me it isn't so much fun just seeing Captain Spaulding like when he he's like, put your hands up and he just puts his hands up and he's flicking them off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just everything about it, especially when I was a kid, I just thought Captain Spaulding was the coolest fucking character ever. Well, like, he had showed... no no fear. Right. I, immediately they came in. He's just like, oh, I ought to come across this counter. Like, whoop, whoop your, put my foot up your asses. Like, just there's just no fear. You could tell. Which is kind of a giveaway, because you actually see, like, oh, he must be out there. Because he's showing zero fear, cares a negative amount. So, he yeah, he I agree. He came off so fucking cool. He's such a cool character. To this day, like, I we both talk about, you know, how much we love that character. So, and he's not even, like, even in Devil's Rejects, he's, I mean, he's in that a lot more than he is in this. He's not around a lot as a character, but when he is, he's so fucking memorable. I mean, look look how many like horror fans have tattoos of Captain Spaulding and how much that character has influenced other characters. And I mean, certainly our character Baron von Laffo and 
I'm sure terrify Art the Clown a little bit. So it's just kind of nuts that um he's really not in this movie a lot, even though his face is always plastered all over the posters and everything. He's in this opening, and so the burglars are robbing him, and he's just like, you know, I I ought to come over this counter and bash your fucking balls in, and. <laughs> One of the burglars is like really serious, like, give me all your money or I'm going to splatter your grease paint mug across the state line. And then the other burglar is like a fucking dumbass, like a bumbling idiot and is fumbling around with shit. And then the guy starts counting and Captain Spaulding's just like, fuck your fuck your mama, fuck your sister, fuck your grandma. And. Um, shit just – the burglars get distracted, and finally this guy in a mask comes in and bludgeons the one of the burglars, and then Captain Spaulding pulls out a revolver and shoots the other burglar dead, right in the head, headshot. And then he smells that fucking gun. Yeah, just breathes in the yeah. – yeah. And smiles, and then he walks around to the other burglar, and the shot's from the burglar's perspective, and the masked guy is like a hillbilly and is laughing. And Captain Spaulding puts the gun in the camera's uh, guy's face, and he's just like, but most of all, fuck you, and fires, what, three, two times? Yeah, I think it was three times, and and the, the shot is basically kind of from the future dead, the burglar's point of view. So you're looking up at this really cool shot at Captain Spaulding looking down like right at you with the gun, and as kind of like cornball and kind of like bad the uh, – dialogue or the acting was of the burglar like that came in how oh, it yeah, was yeah. weird weird as bad as that was when he was doing that countdown that you're talking about when he did that the setup of that was like i'm gonna blow like blow your brains out he starts counting down to when he's gonna do it and of course every time the numbers get lower he said what you said but the look on the burglar's face when he didn't know what to do because he's like no well i like he, he got his bluff called and that was such a cool moment. And uh, I was actually thinking it was kind of weird. Like the guy in the mask comes out of nowhere and like bludgeons the burglar. He just out of nowhere. He just comes in. Uh, and I've read apparently a scene got cut to where Spalding actually like presses like a panic button underneath the table. Oh, really? Yeah. Underneath the counter or something like that. They originally it was something that got cut. I wish they would have kept it in because it would have made more sense or just like because he kind of got an, a panic button that gets that crazy assistant guy of his attention. So then he because when he just comes in, it's just like, ah! like <laughs> the guy's like out of nowhere with this big mask on. I, I kind of like the idea of him like pressing the panic button, which made sense because Spotting managed to reach under and pull out a piece of chicken to offer the bird. The oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> That's my oh yeah dude when he's like uh, the burglar has a ski mask on and he's like and he says give me all the money in the register or whatever and Captain Spaulding says well I'll tell you what Ski King why don't you take your mama home some chicken so I don't have to stop my boot all up in your ass and then the guy swipes away the chicken he's like I don't like chicken and I hate clowns <laughs> and, Cap- and Captain Spaulding snarls mm-hmm. it's pretty great but. Dude, I love that that whole fucking intro. And then when he shoots the gun and it, it go it cuts to black, but then you just hear Spaulding say, "Motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit." And then the House of a Thousand Corpses theme song starts playing in those. Burn with the witches to burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually really like the House of a Thousand Corpses song by Rob Zombie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the opening credits play, and I'm fine with them. They're kind of cool. Um, very Rob Zombie music video style. Right. Um, and then we get introduced to it's Halloween night, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, Halloween Eve. Halloween I think, Eve. I believe, yeah. But uh, there's a scene later where they say uh, Halloween falls on a school night, so they're trick or treating a night early. So I'm pretty sure it was. And then I think oh, okay. the the mom, Mama Firefly, eventually said it's Hallow's Eve, or so yeah, I think it was Halloween Eve. So it's Eve of All Hallows Eve, and then mm-hmm. it's All Hallows Eve. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So then we get introduced to our four characters, main characters who I don't remember their names. They're very forgettable. Like if it well, wasn't rain. Well, before that, we see uh, what Doctor Wolfenstein. We get introduced to that character. Is that first? Do you remember that? Nope. The little like the Halloween. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Dylan didn't rewatch for this movie. We've talked about rewatchability already, but I'm pretty sure before that, Doctor Wolfenstein, this character was brought who originally Rob Zombie kind of wanted to play. But no matter what they did, he wouldn't look right. So he actually has like a two to three second little cameo as the hairy assistant of Wolfenstein, which I don't know if he has a cameo in his other movies or not, but he does in this one at the very least. So, yes, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to at least bring that up in case. I don't know. I thought the character was kind of cool. But, yes, then we get slowly begin to get introduced to our four poor souls that we follow, I guess. And it's Rain Wilson's. And another guy playing the two males, and then there's two females. Don't remember any of the other actors' names. They're very forgettable. I feel like even if Rain was, if Rain wasn't, oh, if Dwight wasn't Dwight, I don't think any of the characters, like nobody, would be memorable because they're all just very like typical kids traveling across country on a road trip. And they happen to stop by the gas station of Captain Spaulding's Museum of Madness and Mayhem. Um, and Rain Wilson starts talking to Captain Spaulding as he's mopping up <laughs> from right. what we can assume was the opening scene. And um, he starts fucking with him a little bit, which is another part I really, really like. When he's like, oh, you know, we'd love to feature this in our book. And he's like, um, what kind of book do you write in? Or something. And he tells him, oh, it's about a you know, things you see on the road, you know, weird shit, attractions. And then I love Captain Spaulding and the way the music fucking starts revving up. It's like, oh, I understand. You think us folks from the country are real funny like, don't you? Well, saddle up the mule, ma. I got to get me some education. And the way Rain Wilson looks fucking terrified. He's like, no, 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 I really, I meant no offense. Gotcha. And Captain, uh, dude, the whole scene, everything with him in it, just talking like to these guys, and this, I never want to leave this right location. Yep. Like everything's so dope. The girls are looking around; they think it's weird. And then the other lead character wants to do the serial killer ride or tour or whatever. Um, and Captain Spaulding, even though we just watched him murder these burglars, we still don't know if he's really a bad guy yet. You know what I mean? It's, I guess not. I mean, he's a little creepy. We did see him. But at the same time, he did kill burglars who were threatening to kill him. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're still a little bit on the uh, fence with this guy. We, we know he's weird. We know he's out there. But we're not 
obviously when we get to later points, we don't put him in the same category as this family that we come across. Right. So yeah, we're still in the fence with him. So they're wandering around the shop and then finally they just, they go into the serial killer ride, which is awesome because captain Spaulding changes outfits. Um, and then he is, it's like a little trolley that gets pushed through this tunnel of like, it's like a little museum where they have little sections that have serial killers like mm-hmm. uh, Albert Fish and was it Lizzie Borden or something like that? Mm-hmm. And it's like animatronics of these serial killers and Captain Spaulding's giving a like ghost tales of them. And then they finally get to one about Dr. Satan. Jeff, you just watched this, so do you remember <laughs> the story of Dr. Satan? I don't. Uh, the only thing I remember of Dr. Satan is him getting, obviously killing a bunch of people by doing a bunch of experiments on them and trying different things. And uh, yeah, that's basically all I know is that he's a killer who tries weird experimental things. Yeah, and apparently he was. Yeah, I don't even know what the hell. I think from what I remember, I think they hung him and then like his body went missing or something. And so they, he's like, so they say Dr. Satan's still out there or whatever. Um, yeah, just a mi- little mini story. They have a little, little background. But it's so, dude, it's so, the way Sid Haig just sells it is so much fun. And you're just like, where the fuck is this movie going to go? Like, okay, we just, because it's obvious. It's like, okay, now this whole Dr. Satan thing's going to come back at some point. But like, what are we setting up? You know what I mean? Right. And, you're just fucking on board. And do they ask him? For, I can't remember if they ask him for directions or not. They do. Okay. Well, he winds up giving them directions, which is never good. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they ask. The Chris Hardwick's character is very interested, even more so than Rain Wilson's character. And he, Hardwick really wants to go to this house and all this stuff. And Oh, I thought, spot, he, no, I thought he wants to go to the spot where Dr. Satan was like killed or something. Yeah, but I think that's... Also, I think that falls on the like where they live basically, pretty oh. much. Because uh, later, well, I guess we'll we can go ahead and get to it now. Chris Hart really wants to go. He asks Captain Spalding for directions. Spalding is kind of like, "Why would you want to go there?" And he's like, "Fine, here you take a left here, left here." And on the way there, they see a hitchhiker, and it's pouring down rain at this point. And they of course pick her up. One of the big rules you don't should never do in a horror movie and they pick it up and this is baby from the firefly family played by sherry moon zombie i believe in her film debut and she gets in the car and is instantly just kind of a kind of a weirdo but they're kind of all right with it because i you know they find her attractive and whatnot and then we find out i guess i think their tire gets shot out i think they shoot the tire out and then all of a sudden they get out, they have a flat tire, they can't replace it. And that's when Baby says, it's okay, my brother has a tow truck, and I literally live, like, walking distance from here. So there's the setup. The Dr. Saint thing is right by where they live. And now they all, of course, enter the house while their car gets fixed by the brother. And we have a whole new slew of activities, which sounds really exciting. Like, here we go. We're all along for a ride. Yeah, it sounds like a very 
Mm-hmm. Dope but setup. I'm with you. It, I, it's a little bit of a decline after Spalding because now Spalding's out for a while. We don't come back to him for a bit. Like he's oh, yeah. kind of out, and it almost is like. But a lot of crazy and interesting shit does begin to happen. Yeah, it's just it's such a. It just never. I think it just deflates so much. But uh, is it just because you think Sid Haig was just so damn good and the, that specific character was so damn good that even though there's all this crazy shit that the real meat of this movie is we're getting to, was it just that he was so damn good with this character that it was a deflate or was something wrong with the meat of this or a combination of the two? Uh, maybe a combination of the two. I think it's like the appetizer is really, really fucking like good. And then you get your main meal and it's just, yeah, eh, I like that. It was okay. Good. Analogy, uh, eh. Yeah. And then we get a little bit of dessert and it's nice and sweet with when Spalding comes books ends it. That's but right. yeah, because well, the problem is one Sid Haig's gone and unfortunately no one else in the movie is as charming or gives as good a performance Bill Mosley a little bit, but you just hate his character so much that it, he's not enjoyable to watch. He gets so much better. I re, yeah, you love you actually like him way more in the next two movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. This is the least yeah least likable one. It's almost like far. a different character, which is so strange. Um, but also, I think also from a filmmaking perspective, that's another reason. It's it feels like the filmmaking gets kind of lazy or um it's just kind of weird the i don't like the way everything after the gas station everything just looks ugly and like it's edited really strangely like they did it a little bit with captain spaulding remember when he's doing the killer tour and it when he says dr satan it does like three vertical it's like dr satan I'm yeah. fine with it there, but then shit like that happens throughout the whole movie. Like people say shit and then they cut to weird, like random shots of violence and things like that. And it just, it just is so jarring. And I, they, re- yeah, point, they reversed the color and shit. And like a bunch of times I was going to ask you that those scenes since you brought it up, bring them down and they do this throughout this whole movie. Oh yeah. Does that take you out of it? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, I think so too. I think I would have been okay with it if it was like select few scenes throughout. Instead, it just happens so often that you're just on top of these really annoying villains and equally annoying main characters. I don't find any of the main characters likable except Dwight, and it's just because he's Dwight. I don't like anybody else. I don't like the the other two girls. Um, so I don't really care after Sid Haig's out of the movie. And that's a problem. And then also we just keep getting introduced to more and more Firefly members and each one's just kind of like, there's nothing to them. It's just kind of like, okay, here's the mom. She's crazy. Here's the deformed mongoloid like brother. He's weird. It seemed like overkill. Yeah. It seemed like here, no, what else weird we can do? We'll have a giant in there and then we'll have the, uh, the the like the hot one that does necrophilia, and we'll have the weird, really pale guy who does experiments, and it was just like he was trying to just put. It's like this really was like if a 
a fan of horror got to make a big budget, like, well, maybe not a huge budget, but like a bigger budget movie. Oh, and then we'll have them wear the face, wear the face of the dad, and we'll do this, which we'll get to later. And it was just a lot of like, oh, we'll do this now, and then we'll do this, and this will be really aggressive, and this will be hardcore. It's like, okay, I mean, sometimes it's less like a, is more. It's a, it's like a salad bowl of ideas that's just been mixed together, and they used all of it, and they, yeah, and then they just <laughs> ate the whole fucking thing, and it's like, uh, okay. Um, and it just gets a little hard to digest because, you know, it's actually like that. But then also on top of this, like the mixed salad, they also used like old lettuce. <laughs> Cause that's how I feel about the entire cast, except for Captain Spaulding. It just feels so just whatever and bland. And then even the kills, even though they're kind of interesting and brutal, they just don't feel very, they feel almost kind of. Like um, like very B movie ish, very in the way they're sh- the movie shot too doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, like the okay the big one Dwight, uh we don't see him get killed I believe we just see his corpse. Um, no we do see a clips of him getting cut up, his face getting like sliced, and then you see them cut his forearm off, and then he kind of like touches. Dwight with his own hand, and then it kind of cut. Then we're done. And this is okay. this is while uh, baby's watching and she's dancing to Brick House, I think it was, which was fucking odd. <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, as annoying as you say all these characters are, I think Baby got more annoying as these movies went on. This might be her at her least annoying. I think she gets way more annoying <laughs> as as this trilogy goes on. I don't hate really? her, by the way. I think so, because she... I mean, we're just getting introduced to the character, and I think she was... I don't know. Maybe, you know, what else it could be is that Three from Hell was, like, so much longer than this movie, so I got to see her free. Maybe I just got... I really wanted her to die in Three from Hell. I was really annoyed with her. Well, we'll talk about that, but I do think yeah. a huge detriment to both this movie and from hell is how much screen time sherry moon zombies given and the character of baby is given in the devil's rejects it feels like it's equal between bill mosley sid Haig, and sherry moon zombie so mm-hmm. it just and they the three of them together just have so much chemistry but in this you've got the mom character bill mosley and baby don't have the or sherry moon zombie don't have the chemistry yet and so it just doesn't feel very connected it just feels like fucking everything thrown at the wall um because then we also get this well back to dwight's kill real quick so we we see his body and i guess bill mosley's character otis turned him into a merman statue yeah like a oh i think he called him like the human fish or something like that yeah Yeah, so it's supposed to be like a freak show attraction and he's dead he's like but it's just like how did he do that like because he literally looks. Yeah, it looks created. It his body like formed with it was a smooth, really smooth transition from his human body to a fish. And it was like they should have made it some weird hack job where it didn't look nearly as well. Right, it should have looked like he was sewed together with like a tuna or something. Yeah, yeah. And I, instead, like it he, just looks like a Halloween prop. It does. Yeah. 
and so it just kind of it was laughable. Um, it's a fucked up idea, but it's just kind of laughable. And then there's this other B plot that comes into play where I guess is it one of the guy's father or one of the girl's father? One of the girls. Okay, is like worried about them for some reason. Yeah, well, she called her one of the girls, one of the girls of the four main that we're talking about here. Uh, she called her father when she was at Sid's museum and oh. said that she would like call it or something like that. And then she never called, of course. And then he started to get worried and he becomes a character and gets involved with police because he's worried about where his daughter is. And then they go to Captain Spaulding's, one of the cop does, mm-hmm. and they interview him about the four kids. And that's when we start to get a feeling that, oh, Captain Spaulding isn't such a good guy. <laughs> Not that uh, it was, but yeah, but they still don't outright no, give it no, away no. either. Like you're not necessarily thinking, oh, uh, this guy is a part. Well, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it seems obvious, but it, they don't necessarily sell you that in the movie. He just give, plays up to his kind of dickish, you know, character. So it, it could really have gone either way. He just says, yeah, maybe I've seen that girl because they ask, you know, they show him a picture and stuff like that, and he's just kind of, you know. A little rough with the back and forth with the police. I love when he does that thing where he like pretends to scratch his head and he's just like. Yeah, because the, the uh, officer says, "Now I want you to think real hard." Now, so Sid sarcastically leans forward and just scratches with his like index finger, like he's thinking real hard. Oh, dude, he's so good. And then you leave him again. And you're like, "Fuck." <laughs> exactly, and it's it's so. It, that's the hard part about this movie is that you. When you're back with him for that little scene, you're like so engaged again that when you go back, you're like, no, I don't want to go back. Let me see more of this character and what's happening. And what's so cool about that is they do set him up from the start. When they ask him for directions, he like kind of is like, well, why do you want to go out there? And like he gives them the opportunity not to. Right. Like get like he doesn't want to write down the directions. So that kind of makes you go like, oh, maybe, you know, he it's it's cool that they did that instead of him just like, I know a way you can go. Yes, I, a, yeah, I like that. There's a detour out back. Um, but yeah, so no, we go back. How does Chris Hardwick die? Uh, well, he makes it. To, doesn't one of the girls die next? Well, yeah, we're skipping a little bit because you have to remember, like, first they put on this little show for. Oh my fucking god! You can't skip over the little. Halloween I just remembered show. the show. So after. After dinner, by the way, this, there's a dinner scene where the, our four main characters are all sitting at the table, and it's the weirdest situation ever. And all these family members keep coming in. Otis <laughs> enters, uh, Tiny enters. Tiny is an actor who was uh, had the Guinness World Record of being the tallest actor in the world, and he's wearing like a mask. And he was like, there's a backstory where the ex husband of mama tried to burn the place down and he got all burnt up it's just it's a lot and afterwards baby's upstairs getting ready and meanwhile there's uh like cheerleaders or people in cheerleader girls in cheerleader costumes that they've they already that (laughs) that they have in the house already that they're killing so baby has like two of them in her room and she's saying, getting all up in her face, 
And meanwhile, like, because this cheerleader is like tied to a bed, then it pans out, and the other cheerleader is like blue in the face and dead. So there's like random girls, missing girls already in the house. And she's getting ready to put on makeup because they're putting on a little Halloween theater type show for their guest. And uh, and a guy does stand up. They have uh, what, grandpa, grandpa, Firefly does like a little bit of stand up, which Chris Hardwick loves. And it's really aggressive, non-funny, sexual uh, stand-up comedy that you would expect from Rob Zombie. <laughs> Dude, and then I'm sitting here just like <laughs> forgot all about this. And then Baby comes out and like lip syncs to like a little song, and then sits on Rain Wilson's lap. And then the girlfriend has finally had enough. Like, get the fuck off my boyfriend! I'm gonna fuck you up baby threatens to cut her tits off or something and then the other brother from the family comes in and says your car's done so they all get in the car to leave and as <laughs> and then they're leaving and they rain wilson has to get out to open the gate and they're passing all these like scarecrows well two of the scarecrows hop down and one's otis and uh that's when they beat him with a pipe or some shit and then Tiny comes out and pulls the girls out of the car and now we get to the point where now we're in the house we know for a fact these are really really horrible people and they have them all tied up at different parts of the house and then we see Rain Wilson I believe is the first to go with when he becomes a fish <sighs> so I think we're caught up dude that it, just made me so tired because it that I just you saying all that just rem- reminded me that this movie gets so boring. Like the, all that shit sounds like it should be exciting, like a Halloween show and um, scarecrows and uh, a fish man. But it just it just the editing, the pacing makes no sense. The Halloween show is so annoying and like i don't know i just hate it. it's it's like i just want to like come on let's get to the kills then if we're not going to be with captain spaulding like it has no real style it's just this kind of like overkill dialogue and fucked up shit for the sake of fucked up shit and then the fact that the guy comes in and says your car's ready and then they all get in the car to leave but then the family just recaptures them it's like what the fuck the point was that and it takes up like eight minutes of screen time of them trying to leave and it makes no sense. And even as a viewer, you know that. So you're like, why are they telling them they can leave? And then they're just going to, then they just kidnap them again. Yeah. I, I, I don't, well, yeah, I guess See, they could, I, I guess they could have just done a thing where they just had enough of this shit. This bitch put a knife on me and they just run out the door and like, I don't give a, like, Maybe like maybe they're just gonna take a chance to hopefully the car just starts or maybe hopefully he's already done and at least try and make an escape as opposed to they're kind of all like Mama literally says like I think it's best that you all get out of here like literally says exactly yeah and it's like you could have easily written something else where they just run out and they just take off like we're getting get the fuck out of here this place is just really fucked up we've stuck through this enough you people are crazy and then maybe there's a plan in play to recapture them. But yeah, the whole you guys get out of here just for them to be set up later. I guess it's Otis, not even later. It's literally like five minutes. I picture Otis leaving the dinner table 
and hurry up and scurrying down to the gate. Like, <laughs> I gotta get uh, my scarecrow. <laughs> and I'll picture Otis hanging there as a as a scarecrow for like <laughs> eight minutes, just waiting for the the sea headlights. <laughs> that's like, dude. That's like the sea. Because once we get to the end, uh, spoiler. Well, I mean, hopefully, if you watch this, you watch this fucking movie. I guess we say that about everything. Anyways, um, I like to think that Captain Spaulding called his family and said, hey, we got kids coming that way. So then, like, one of the brothers dropped off baby down the road and, like, to wait for the kids to drive by. Yeah. And, and so it's just funny to imagine baby having to stand there in the fucking pouring down rain waiting for headlights to come by. That's what I mean. When you look at – yeah, when you look at – him, her just waiting in the rain, and him waiting as a sca- scarecrow. And also, what also makes it dumb, uh, the one brother actually fixed the car. Exactly, dude. That's the fucking <laughs> problem. It makes no sense. And it so like, on so it makes no sense. Also, all the characters are annoying. Also, the filmmaking is just kind of messy and like ugly, and the editing sucks. And you're just like, where is this leading? Like, are they just all going to get killed? Because if so, like, I want to just get on with it and get the fuck out if we're not going to spend any more time with Captain Spaulding. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the dad. Okay, so the dad of one of the daughters is looking for her, and he has the cops, and they go to the Firefly, Firefly family house, I think, during the day, right? Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting for a little – like, for a few seconds – <laughs> I thought this would go um, differently. It seems like we're hating on this, which I do like this movie. But maybe you're right. Maybe I'm starting to come across the reason. I don't know. Well, I I'm like gonna give movie. my final thoughts at the end, but we gotta yeah, get. Th- yeah. I want to get through it, um, and then give my final thoughts um, about it. Because unfortunately, in, or in order for me to talk about this movie, because I'm drunk. Um, I just have to, like, going through it, I have to say what I don't like about it. Um, yeah, of course. And I, The only thing I want to say before the lead-up to, just to throw in a compliment about the movie, leading up to where you left off with the cops showing up during the day, when they were doing the dinner scene and they were, all these new characters were coming around, some of the dialogue, I did have a little bit of the feeling of, fuck, I would not want to be here. Okay. I did. Yeah. I I did put Absolutely. myself into their shoes and think like, oh, I would be I would be thinking to myself, this sucks. Something is not right. These people are out of their mind. I how do I get out of here? And I'm I was actually, and then of course the movie gets a little, maybe a little boring or so. So now I'm in my own head thinking, what would I do? What would I say or do to get out of here? I started thinking of ways of okay. why. So they did create a little bit of an uncomfortable atmosphere that worked very well in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, making you feel uncomfortable. You know, in the beginning of the first one, the guy in the van and whatnot, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the absolutely. hitchhiker. Yeah, I would agree. So with you. I will, I will give it that. It created an uncomfortability to where I was in their shoes a little bit, which I, you know, I had that horror. Like I had a goosebumps a little bit. Like, oh man, this would suck. This would suck so hard. <laughs> So I will I will give it that compliment, like during that. Yeah, I'd hate to have to listen to Sherry Moon Zombie screaming and doing that stupid fucking voice. Yeah, she really. Oh, and they 
I guess we I guess we'd already seen in those quick little scenes that we talked about that took us out of the movie. One of them was Sherry Moon with a skeleton. I guess. Yeah. And apparently there was a lot more of that footage that they cut out where they she literally is using a skeleton to masturbate and she actually has an orgasm and everything and some of the footage which they obviously didn't use. It's just her and you see a little bit of boob and her like kind of sticking her tongue in a skeleton's mouth doing some necrophilia type stuff, but it's really short and you kind of move past it and the colors are all, but yeah, every time they did that, it kind of reminded me instead that uncomfortability that I just described when they would do scenes like that, I was right back to uh, thinking about editing and stuff in my head. So it took me out of it. Then here I, I was back in my living, I was back in my bed watching this again. When before I was just uncomfortable thinking about how I would get out. Yep. So, That's sorry. Nice. No, no. That, I'm glad you said all that because I <laughs> completely agree, and that kind of perfectly explains what I mean by the editing in this movie. Like shit, like that doesn't need to be in here. This isn't a Rob Zombie music video. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, Burn with the witch. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I'm gonna play that the entire podcast. But no, I'm glad you said that because yes, absolutely. I would not want to be in this fucking situation. It does a good job of allowing you for a little bit to be, to kind of put yourself in the, these character shoes and just kind of be like, fuck this. Like, this is awful. Um, but moving on, we got two characters dead now or just, well, we went over rain Wilson. He's a fish. Now he's a dead fish. He's a Halloween prop. I think before we get to <clears throat> the two cops showing up and the at dad. the house and the dad, which they had a scene where, of course, your first thought is you can't just bring the father to like, like, like doing a ride along with you to this house. But they cover it with some way that's they mentioned, like, we have to bring him or something like that. It's two it's two cops who bring the dad with him to, but right before that, I believe uh, Chris Hardwick is in there tied to a chair and baby's in there. And he gets the, a question wrong as of who's my favorite entertainer or actress or something like that. And he gets it wrong. So she scalps him. She starts cutting back his head, his hairline, ripping his hair back. Don't remember that at all. Re- really? Cause I thought, cause she cut, a chunk of his hair off first and they like put it in his mouth and he's going <laughs> spitting his own hair out of his mouth and he gets the question wrong. He goes, I-, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe. And she goes, no, like Betty Davis. And she starts like slicing and pulling back his hair. It's pretty oh, short, but it is pretty gnarly. I thought she gnarly. was just cutting his hair. No, he was getting scalped. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That so, changes things because I always thought it was her just cutting his hair. You think he loved his hair so much? He went, no! No! Ah! <laughs> that was one of those things where I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, <laughs> my hair! Maybe it's the way they shoot it because I don't know. I don't remember him getting scalped. I just remember it looking like he was just getting his hair cut. No, I'm pretty going, sure. No! She had a. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> he just loved his hair so fucking much. Uh, so yeah, that, I think that it happens before us, but he's alive though. And yeah, so there's really, there's only one death of the four when the cops show up, I think. 
because Hardwick and our final girl are obviously there, and the girl goes just a few minutes before those two. So, yeah, so when the cops show up, they want to come inside. Mom answers the door. They have the dad there, and the main officer, I guess, maybe he's the fucking sheriff or whatever, he's sitting down with Mama while the other, like, the deputy guy goes and looking around, and he finds a bunch of I think he finds the daughter hung up alive, and then there's a bunch of like, like topless, cut up dead chicks hung and like chained all around, and he starts gagging and stuff, and the dad's with him. So I, th- I guess he sees all this, and he's like, I think the, yeah, I think the deputy is getting sick, and the dad's just jaw is dropped. The deputy gets on the walkie and mentions it to the sh- sheriff guy. He goes to take it, and as he's turned taking the call, he turns like he gets capped. Mama takes out a gun and shoots him like through his head or neck, I'm not sure, but kills him dead immediately. And then Otis jumps out on the deputy. Oh no, he shoots the dad in the back. The dad starts to run away. Otis shoots him dead. He falls face first in a puddle. And then we have Otis. And uh, there's no big, I don't think there's any like audio over this. I think it's quiet. And you just have, I guess you just, because you just see Otis mouthing, like, drop your gun. Deputies drop, drops his gun, makes him get down on his knees. And then we have Otis with a gun to the deputy's head while the deputy's on his knees. And it's a really long shot. Like you sit there and you're watching. They really drag this scene out. I don't know if you re- you don't remember this. No. So they're just zooming out, and it's this kind of a wide shot of Otis with a gun to the deputy's head while he's on his knees. And the whole time you're just waiting for. <laughs> but they do not give it to you. I swear to God, dude, it might have been like 30 seconds, which is a long time. I'm actually, just, I just because I had to look this up because I was trying to remember who the fuck played the other cop because he's a pretty fucking memorable actor and I couldn't yeah. remember and I was trying to look it up on IMDB but I still couldn't fucking find it he's, um, in, the, he's in the Righteous Gemstones he plays a I'm pretty sure that's that, that's him that show I wanted you to watch but yeah when I saw him I was like oh shit Walton that's Goggins that's his name back yeah. yeah 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 I actually like that shot I think that's pretty dope the pull like putting the gun to his head and then just it just makes it feel more cruel. Oh, it makes you wait. Because the whole you're staring, and you know, because we've seen bullets to the head in this movie already, you know we're going to see it. And then finally, of course, you see it, and then the hands drop, because he had made it, he put his hands behind his head, and yeah, he caps. So, no, the dad is dead, the cops are dead, and now we're back to kind of feeling hopeless for these... Uh, now three surviving characters that we've followed throughout this movie. Dude, the way the dad, I'm watching the scene right now. <laughs> the way the dad runs away and it's like kind of slowed is pretty fucking funny. And then he gets shot. And then I love how they intercut like home movie footage of uh, that. 
I will admit that that's the one cut that did kind of feel like, oh wow, that, that tugs at your heartstrings a little bit because like his daughter who he, he was trying to find is like holding a little puppy and it's a Christmas photo. It's a Christmas video and they're all waving at the camera and shit. And now the dad's dead and spoiler alert, the girl doesn't make it out either. Now, here's <laughs> what I actually don't remember. The two girls in this, I feel like they should have uh, differentiate them a little bit more. They're yeah. both these dark-haired, dark-featured. They're kind of, and they're, uh, I hate to say they're like really forgettable, but they're. But they not, are. It's all. It's just truthfully, all, like they're forgettable. They're, they're not memorable enough to not be confused with one another. So I don't even know which girl was his. I think I'm I'm that confused between the two. Yeah. All I know is that we go on later and our three remaining characters are dressed in rabbit suits tied up with their hands above their head. And of course, Otis comes down and he's wearing the father's face over his face and his whole chest. And my cat is making her usual cameo in every single Pie. What if Laura? What if Laura had a cameo? <laughs> I made all my money. I could quit my job because people wanted cameos from my cat, and she just meowed, and it became a joke. But for some reason, I still made a bunch of money off of it. So let me let her out as you go over what you remember from this obvious leather-faced Texas Chainsaw-inspired <laughs> moment here from uh, Otis. Firefly. I have a better idea. What's that? We take a break? Yeah. Let's do it. To hear from our... We don't have sponsors. Just listen to this thing. Here's a brief clip from a song that I wrote from the Fisherman Nutcrackers called Crying from the Waist Down. Couldn't help but stare at brought her home On the edge of my bed Cause she just left I'm alone But this cowboy didn't ride Never got inside I guess I won't You know If I said that I wasn't crying Though my face remains dry Below my waist is perspiring And now I'm crying From the waist down Let's get back to let's get back to the not annoying house of a thousand corpses. <laughs> yeah. So we set it up. The now three surviving people, they have them in 
bunny suits. And oh, wait, the dad, the dad. Uh, Otis is wearing the dad's face and the yep. chest. That's what I mean. He comes down and he gives like a like. Okay, here's what I, here's what I'm kind of confused about. So he comes down the steps. And he's like in the darkness a little bit. And he's wearing the dad's face. He cut the dad's face off. He's wearing the dad's face and like entire torso. And the daughter's reaction, I was confused with at first because it wasn't, I was like, she should be horrified. But she's really not doing anything. And then he starts to like, get closer and like gives her a kiss and then she like freaks out and it made me think did they really try and sell it to where she didn't notice until he was literally touching faces does she really think like that what that was her because that was her dad because before the kiss she even said dad but i thought she was saying it as in like oh dad like you're dead after watch, I think she might have thought that it was her dad that showed up. I don't know. <laughs> the mouth didn't move when it talked. I don't uh, know. Guys, maybe I, you know what that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this for that. Maybe because she's just been through much through so much shit and all this, like maybe she's just fucking lost it. So okay. she doesn't even know what she she just sees something that looks like her dad. All right, I'll and, buy that. It's traumatic. But it seemed a little weird, I'll say that. Um, so they take them to a, like, by a well. And yeah. one of the girls, I believe it was... The, the, the daughter. The daughter. Gets away and runs off. And Baby wants to go after alone. Like, I want to do it. And this is another really weird thing that didn't make too much sense so the daughter escapes she runs and she's by all these like i guess graves or crosses and they're stuck in the ground or whatever and she's out and and she's not it's kind of wide open around her but she keeps hearing baby talk and she's looking around like oh oh and she makes it seem like baby keeps like running by but she just catches her i'm like what's going on here like baby is like has powers now or something. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, baby just tackles her. She did not see her sneak. Like I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. And that's something that would have been so easily fixed if it was like just in the woods, but it's in the open to where it there's no place to hide. Totally open. And she's frantically looking around every direction. I, how baby could have ever snuck up on her. No idea, but she does. And proceeds to stab her to death. And then they laugh really, really fucking annoyingly. And then, of course, lick the knife. Oh yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, fuck baby, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said when uh your girlfriend told you she was pregnant. <sighs> fuck baby, dude. You didn't even have like you didn't even say like I don't know. I just don't like babies or fuck babies, dude. You're like, fuck baby, dude. You cared so you're like, I'm not going to give you. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was just trying to, it just seemed like we're just trying to make her seem, it seemed like we were trying to create like a horror icon, a badass horror okay, chick. Yes. 
It was, tri- yes. it was you know what? She's a try-hard character. Is that what it came off as to yeah. me? You didn't have to lick the knife afterwards either. And then you have that scene where she has her, you know, she's straddling her dead body, licking the knife, laughing annoyingly. It's like, okay, we get it. You're crazy. We don't. We're trying. And that's a the hard. problem. Is that's so, it's not interesting. It's not an interesting character. It's very. You roll your eyes. You're like, okay. Whereas Captain Spaulding is a fucking interesting character who's played really well, and it's not overboard. Like you see Captain yeah. Spaulding, and you just see him, and you think, okay, this guy is gonna be like, what? Like, oh, I'm a clown. Instead, yeah. he's just like a redneck hillbilly. Like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Like horse shit. And he just – it's so charismatic and different, and it's like a nice juxtaposition um, of those two things that it works. Whereas Baby is just like, she's crazy, and she's hot. Woo! Like it's just – And you know what? That's not even necessarily on Sherry Moon – like Sherry Moon Zombie or Sherry Moon. Uh, I mean this was her first movie, yeah. and Sid Haig has a catalog of holy yeah. shit – like a legit actor who probably still doesn't get his due. Um, let's just stay on Sid Haig for a second here. I, I want to. We had a really long last episode. Scream I, is our I, like our longest episode. I couldn't believe it. So if you listen to all that, thank like, thank you. Uh, Sid Haig like at the Academy Awards, he wasn't even in like the in memoriam thing. I th- I, I thought that was kind of and. This is something that has, like, here was the camera guy. Here was the boom guy that worked on Shawshank Redemption for three weeks. Like, he was in the in memoriam. But Sid Haig has this legendary thing. And so this movie came out in 2003, but they filmed it in 2000. Mm-hmm. So this was 20 years ago as of now. And I know, look, 20 years is a, a long time, obviously, but... I still couldn't help but get really sad because I guess Sid was what, 59, 60 years old around about because he died at 80. Mm. He he died, I guess, 19, 20 years later. It really was a bummer seeing him here. And I thought he, I mean, he looked good. He looked, he seemed fine. And then you see him in Three from Hell and how he looked you know, towards the end there when he went out and how it became so different towards the end in appearance wise. And, uh, I don't know. I know it's 20 years is a long time, especially if, you know, that he was fit, you know, he was 80 years old, but man, it really bummed me out seeing, I just wish he was still around and, uh, rest in peace. Sid Haig. We both have a captain Spalding mask in our homes and I have, I have him, on like a five-tiered shelf with Freddy, Jason, Ghostface, Michael Myers. I he's right in there in the mix with everybody. And yes, Captain Spotting. I can't say enough good things. I'm looking forward to covering uh, the other two movies with this character. Well, really one mainly with the character, but um, yeah. Sorry to go off on that little tangent there, but no, I love absolutely. I love Sid Haig, man. He he is incredible. I I can't say enough good things about him. Oh, and his Instagram is still up. It's run by his, I guess, widow. And I think it's like a remembering Sid Haig type deal. And she posts like really long, like cool stories and stuff. 
from things that he's done and old pictures that she found and stories that he told her. And man, I tell you what, she's quite a bit younger than Sid, I believe. Uh, but man, she really, those two like really seem to like really love each other. And you can tell, and he's been gone uh, just over a year now and she's still on there and posting things and coming across new things and telling stories. So it's a really good follow. If you have an Instagram, you want to go follow that. I highly recommend it, but sorry. Yeah, go ahead, dude. No. Yeah. I was just, I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I really regret not going to the comic con once when I lived in Maryland and I think I invited you, but you were busy or something and I was going to, and he, he was going to be there and, I really regret not going because he's one of the few people that I would have really actually liked to meet. And um, cause you just hear so many dope stories about him. Like it's a laid back guy, super chill. Um, fucking loves his fans. And uh, it's a shame, but you know, um, 80 years glad... old. How much? How what? 80 years old. I mean, Hey, I mean, <laughs> it's not yes. the worst. It's not the worst run in the, in the world. No. So, and, but yeah, so, um, oh my God, I'm drunk. Forgot well, oh, t- baby stabbing a bitch. Yes. Fuck baby, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it comes right back, comes right back to fuck baby, dude. So now driving towards the, the end here, I don't know. I guess they put the remaining two alive characters now, Chris Hardwick and the other brunette. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And this is also kind of annoying, too, because it just feels like, oh, OK, what else are we going to fucking add on to this movie? Like the Firefly, Firefly family is like doing a ritual for Halloween or something. With right. The, and that's why they're dressed up like rabbits. And uh, Otis is dressed up in like this red robe with this like white and black skeleton face paint, which looks cool visually, but you're just like, what is happening? Like, what is it? Like, what are we doing with this movie? I hate that there's, it's really just kind of, there's no, nothing. It's just kind of like, Oh, it's this crazy family and they do weird funky shit and they kill people. And, but then it gets to an even weirder point to where you're thinking, I feel like I'm almost watching like a supernatural Exactly. Like, pick, like, are are we, is this a real, like, Devil's Reject is, I hate that, keep, I know we're trying to focus on one movie, but it obviously draws comparisons to fucking sequel, for Christ's sake. But Devil's Reject is so gritty and, like, straightforward and, like, way more, like, realistic in a lot of ways. And this one, I feel like it teeters because they're dropping these two characters. They closed up in a casket or some ritual, and they're dropping them in... And then there's this whole underground thing of weird people that were mentally <clears throat> disabled. I, I, it's I, almost like an underground mental asylum is what it looks yeah. like. Which it looks – It's. let me say this. The movie has really cool production design. I fucking love, obviously, Captain Spaulding's museum of mayhem. And, like, I wish that was just a location. I, I wish that was a bar that you can just go to and hang out at. Well, the liquor store was pretty cool, too, I thought. It was pretty, like, Rob Zombie, aptly Rob Zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, the underground mental asylum thing looks fucking awesome, and it's creepy as fuck with all these mental patients around and whatever the fuck's wrong with them. 
But you're just like, what is going on? Because at this point, you've forgotten about, like, I want to say you've forgotten about Captain Spaulding, Dr. Satan, all that shit. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And they're they're wandering around. And then finally, they open the door and they stumble upon, uh, is it someone being? Well, first of all, what happens is. Uh, Chris Hardwick and our final girl get lowered in, and when they get there, all these failed experiments of Dr. Satan, mental people, whatever they are, they pull Hardwick out, and he gets taken away. So now she's left wandering. That's right. So then a weird old guy comes out and extends his hands to her, and he's also wearing a bunny costume, so you kind of think maybe... He's a survived. He went through the same shit. But then a, a failed experiment comes out and like rips her bunny suit off and leaves. So then she just continues walking. And then she sees Hardwick, her boyfriend, our final guy, and Dr. Satan's fucking with him. And blood's coming out of his mouth. She, he's tied to it. And he get, he's killed. He's dead. She watches him die. Well, he, he's, he's fucking cut open like vivisection or vivisection whatever yeah yeah he's fucking uh opened up surgically and dr satan is this weird demonic old fucking looking guy who who's got like metal things on his arm and it it, it, it's dope it looks super cool but you're just like wait what yeah and you and i remember dope and then maybe another movie almost you kind of think yeah like, what are we doing? Which lane are we going down? Because yeah. it's not just a old... If you haven't seen this, by the way, which I'm sure everyone who listened to this has, when he says old man with, like, metal, like, arms or whatever, his face and everything looks crazy weird, too. Like, uh... That's why I said demonic. Like, yeah, like, a demo- like, he looks like something out of Fright Night or some shit. Like, it... Yeah, so it's like, you don't really understand. Like, no, that's not... That doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> And at this point, too, you've forgotten about Dr. Satan because they haven't talked about it since the very beginning of the movie. And I think they show him and then they have like clips or they do some funky editing and you hear like Dr. Satan was a kid. So you're like, oh, okay. And then Dr. Satan chases her. Right. Well, well, I will to give them a little bit of leeway when back to the scene when they were hung up in the bunny suits when he was wearing the dad's face. He lifts up the dad's face and he says, you know, he says the boogeyman is real or whatever. And I think you're looking at whatever he said. But I believe he also had dialogue to say that Dr. Satan, you want to find Dr. Satan? Dr. Satan is real. So he, it did, they did mention again, okay. mentioned he was real. So, but um, Dr. Satan is not even the one who chases her. It's some other weird thing. With, oh, that's right. A big, with these weird red tinted. Night vision glasses. It or almost something? looks like shit out of Silent Hill. Yeah. These weird monster-looking fucking things. So now we're com- I'm com- it's completely out of left field at this point where it's like what? So this is like Red Skull from Captain America with goggles on is chasing her through uh, skeleton-walled tunnels, and then he stops. I guess he's like having trouble breathing, and he lifts up his, like, goggles, and, like, just yellow goop falls out of his eye, and then, like, 
a worm type thing falls out is it's like what once again it's like now it's like gross for the sake of gross and she just moves out of the way he accidentally hits something and the shit crumbles on him and kills him and she crawls out right and she crawls out to the top after being knocked out it's now like daytime so i guess she like passed out until daytime or something you see her hand come through so she crawls out and now you see her off disheveled bloodied and walking as if it was like the i spit on your grave type walk where she's all fucked up and you think oh it's daytime she's free no one's around this is our final girl she makes it she makes it to the road and there's one car coming down the road driven by the return of captain spalding and he plays it like like get in the car and he seems just like a crazy he's like what's wrong girl what happened it's really yeah it's good it's so awesome. So, oh, I know. Wait, I know you. There, there's a lot of people looking for you. Because remember the cop showed on the picture. Right. A lot of people looking <clears throat> for you. And she go, I need to go to the hospital. Go, All right. Yeah, well, I'll get you. You just you just relax. You just lay your head back and relax. And, he look, and then now you see, you you can see the switch, which is cool. He goes, and he's he's staring at her. He goes, yeah, just lay it back. And then she finally, like, her head falls back. And she, like, passes out through the, like, exhaustion or whatever you think. And he goes, good, good. There you go. Now, I'll take care of everything now, or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and then they have this shot, like, dead on through the car, through the windshield, driving. And Otis raises up from the back seat. And it goes, like, it plays that, as, you know, as if it was, like, Jason coming up out of the water at the end, his version of that or something. But didn't work nearly as well. <laughs> It was just kind of kind of came off cornball, and by the way, he's in a convertible. I'm so glad I was about to say this. Yeah. So she enters the car, and if you've ever been around a convertible, you're standing up, and you don't see someone laying right like in the like. Hey, look, we can always go back to the disheveled, been through a lot thing. Fine, but uh, you didn't like had to be laying down like on the floor of the back seat. You didn't need this scene. Yeah. So he comes up and he's staring at her and does like a little evil smile. And this is like, it's just really, once again, this comes up really try hard and cornball. And I love like Bill, he's the shit, but he like rears back the knife freeze frame, but it doesn't end there making it even more dumb because now you see her eyes open, she wakes up, and now she's in at the hands of Dr. Satan. She's just back. Dr. Satan has her. So it's like, okay, so did he st- st- stab her? So he, like, he reared back, Bill re- reared back the knife when he was in the convertible. Did So I, did, did he stab her? Did he? I, it was like, what? Because if he would have stabbed her, it would have been like, stabbed her and like woke her up and then they could have just had her like, yeah, you just fall asleep now. And she goes to sleep. And then you cut to her waking up. You did not need him in the back of that car at yeah. all. That yeah. should not have been in there. In my, in my, or opinion. if he is in the back of the car and you do that, just cut to black after that. Don't go yes. back to Dr. Satan. Don't do the fucking knife thing yeah. at the very least. Maybe if he, like, if you want to have him in the fucking car, fine. Cause you, if you want to do that, and play that music and like oh he's in the back seat okay then just maybe have him smile and look at like 
Spalding and maybe they exchanged like a like a little look or smirk and then maybe maybe but honestly just don't have them in the car everything will be just fine you just lay back and they even set it up like nice lay back relax there you go yeah okay we'll take care of everything now fade to black fade in her eyes fluttering open maybe you think she's at a hospital or whatever cut back dr satan boom ending there you go but yeah. instead, it's just so try-hard. They added this thing to it. And it takes away from a, the reveal that Captain Spaulding's involved, honestly. It just... But look, I mean, even Rob Zombie has said that he rewatched this movie and he sees nothing but like flaw after flaw and like a, a mess. I mean, this is his directorial debut. And by the way... As much of a hit it took critically, it made a lot of money, and he got two sequels out of it, and as they've all become cult favorites. Yeah, and that's why I, now that we're done talking about what happens in the movie, yeah, I don't want to say I love this movie, but I have a lot of um, I will, I don't love watching this movie, but I love I do love it because it introduces us to Captain Spaulding, which is in my opinion one of like the best horror movie icons to come out of. Uh, my lifetime because I was, you know, I was born in 95, so I was around. But, um, and it's so dope to be able to say that because, you know, Jason came along before I was born, certainly. Um, and it's so it's dope to just be able to say that. And as flawed as this movie is, I will say it's got some style to it. It's kind of trying to be like a 70s wacky horror movie, like in the spirit of the texas chainsaw massacre one and two um and then just rob zombies music videos and it's very rob Zombie. i mean it puts his stamp on it you know what i mean you can watch this and know oh, that's rob zombie for sure and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i just think the movie's very messy and more often than not just kind of annoying and confusing but i also think that if you were to watch this movie in the 70s like imagine just popping this in on a VCR. <laughs> like, I feel like it's a very like 70s B horror movie. And I think that's what Rob Zombie was trying to go for. Um, so in that respect, I like it a lot. It's fun. It's me- It's certainly memorable. Um, yeah. It just, it, it doesn't have a lot of rewatch in it for me. And it's sad because there's just so many cool setups, especially with the Captain Spaulding character the gas station, even the family aspect with the wacky underground um, mental asylum and then the fucking house, which has a lot of cool fucking shit in it. It just it seems to not use that shit to the best uh, to, to do the best things that they could. And said like the whole Dr. Satan angle is just kind of feels just very thrown in there. And Dr. Satan. Yeah. Um, you know. But that goes into the 70s, like, B-horror movie vibe, so I'm fine with that. The cinematography kind of matches that, too. I just hate – I think the thing I hate most about this movie is the editing. Those those weird cuts to, like, just random shit and the way it does – even when it shows Dr. Satan, it does that three um, thing again where it shows his head three times yeah. in a row. Right. It, and it's just, like, it's supposed to make you feel more disoriented and, like – weird instead it just comes off as annoying and it takes you out of the situation and that's a huge detriment to the movie 
Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything that because I know it's maybe potentially sounds like I don't or we don't. I do like this movie. I just for whatever reason I agree. There's just not that huge rewatchable thing. This is not something I would watch every year by any no. means. Like I watched it today. I don't know when I cannot see in the foreseeable future when I'm going to watch this again. I think Rob Zombie is almost like his own. I will give him this. It's like he has his own genre of horror. A Rob Zombie horror movie is like uh, maybe like a Kevin Smith movie. You know, like what they're they they're different. And if if you love what that is, you fucking love all of it pretty mm-hmm. much. If you love like a Kevin Smith movie, you'll probably love damn near all of Kevin Smith movie. If you're like if that's for you, like it just it's it's an interesting thing. I enjoyed this movie. I hope we didn't come off like we shit on it too much because we I, I want to make it clear like you like this movie. I, I like this movie. It's just not very watchable. And it does have a lot of issues, and this was his directorial debut, by the way. So it's just. Uh, but I would I, say I it's know. worth at least one watch. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, if if not for one for Captain Spotting alone, let's to see his debut him his entry into everything but two it's it's good it's i think it's pretty i disagree i don't think i don't find it that confusing i i see what you're saying i i, I see it pretty i think strange. it's a first time watch you're just because it just kind of jumps all over the place and you're like what's happening that's how i felt when i first watched it um and um but i think it's worth at least one watch if anything, to get you to the devil's rejects. Right. <clears throat> and that's what, and let's just say this too. You and I both love Rob Zombie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lo- some of his movies we hate, but we, st- we still can't wait to talk about them. Uh, as a filmmaker, I can speak for myself. Like Rob Zombie has been a huge influence on me and what you were saying about Kevin Smith. Like I respect that so much in a director when you can tell they don't give a fuck. Like they're going to make the movie that they want to make. Fuck and you yeah. can tell it's just their movie. Um, and this is very much <laughs> Rob Zombie, as I said. And he, I will, you, we both said the word overkill. And I think that's kind of how we describe Rob Zombie sometimes. Cause it, it's almost like he doesn't have that person there to kind of just be like, eh, that's overkill. Eh. But it's like, would it really be a Rob Zombie movie if it wasn't? There you go. You know what I mean? That's a good point. And look, anyone who's making exactly what they want to make or the putting in the dialogue that they want to do, if that's what they want to do, fine. If sometimes it's a little, and this is a term that you and I use, if it's a little too Rob Zombie for us at times, I can get past it and be just fine. I, I haven't watched every single one of his movies, I don't believe. No, I haven't. But I haven't hated anything because he always has something glaringly just very good that I gravitate to that I can't declare hatred for because there's something like we'll get there one day, but 31 has Doomhead. So am I going to hate hate that when I introduce so? Yeah, you can go on with that. That's a kind of a broader topic. At the end of the day, we will both recommend at least watching this movie once. Our favorite parts are both Captain Spaulding. We've agreed on that. 
I guess the last thing before we get to the what we what we're gonna cover next week, I have to ask it because we ask it in a bunch of these podcasts of these movies. Do you have? Do you even have a favorite kill? Uh, yeah, it's the opening. The burglars. Man. And that's the pro. And that's the problem is the movie opens so damn hot. Wow, you're, you're you're right. What are we in the ride for? What are we in for? And then everything after that, except for when the cops get killed and the dad, because that's a little like, oh fuck. But everything after that, it's just like, eh, whatever. Isn't it amazing how more of the movie you spend more time? This is the father of this character that we've been following. You should definitely care more when that father gets killed. You should definitely care more when the daughter gets stabbed later. Because even earlier in the movie, uh, Baby sets up, like, I want to cut your tits off, and then she and she does end up stabbing her to death. So you should feel like that's awesome. And But it's just the very the first few minutes of the movie, a simple burglary, and Captain Spawning's acting, and it's still with no setup, just burglar. You're the owner of this place, and that was. I'm with you. That's my. Yeah. Those are my favorite kills in the movie as well. Yeah. So, that's just. I mean, that's a credit to Sid. That's a credit to the character of Captain Spaulding. And God, I agree. And even, we're, we're, we were talking we're about the editing on this one. Even in the op in that opening, there's even a few editing things that piss me off. Like, do you remember? Right when the the guy with the mask runs in and kills the burglar, like the the fucking burglar turns around three times, like it show it does the shot, Ugh. and it and then it shows the guy running in three times, like shit like that. It all it, thankfully it doesn't ruin the scene at all, but it is kind of like a a, a prelude of things to come, that kind of uh, plague the movie throughout. But yeah, that op- that opening scene. If anything, just watch this. The watch the first thirty minutes. <laughs> I tell you then, what, put this on. Watch the first thirty minutes, and do some shit around. Keep it on. Yeah. But keep an eye on the clock, and drift back in when it's towards the end. When because you I mean you can get the gist of what's going on, and uh, or you know what? What are we talking about? Go on YouTube, type in House of Thousand Courts, Captain Spotting, and watch the clips from this movie. I don't think you'll be disappointed. He's amazing. We can't gush over him enough. And that was House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003. Dylan, we got to find out what we're covering next week and get the hell out of here so we don't have a longer episode than Scream. Because, good Lord, I had to convert the file to a different... Convert the whole file to make it fit so we can even post that. Four questions. You get a proper... You can miss one. You miss more than one. I picked a movie. You get them all, or you only miss one, you pick the movie. I've been drinking too, guys. This is what the podcast is. Here we go. Let's not waste any time. Dylan, you ready? Oh. We're going anyway. Which Peter Jackson film stars Michael J. Fox as a ghost hunter? Oh, I know this one. Hit me with it. The Frighteners. Good Lord. Dylan, you are correct. You are one for one. I've never seen the movie, though. I've never even heard of it. 
Wes Craven directed what 1991 film about two adults and a juvenile who break into a brother and sister's house and find something disturbing? Give it to me again. Wes Craven directed this 1991 film about two adults and a juvenile who break into a brother and sister's house and find something disturbing. I'm going to pass on this one for a moment. All right, we'll come back. Let's see if we need to. Next question. What 2005 movie contains elements of both the supernatural and a courtroom drama? Do it again. This is this is tough. You might kick yourself when you know. A what 2005 movie contains elements of both the supernatural oh. and a courtroom drama? I know it. What is it? The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Dylan, you are correct. Uh huh. You get this next question right. We don't even have to go back to that other one. I think I know the other one, but I just I need to okay. let my brain. This is a few drinks deep Dylan, too, and he's still doing this. You might be better with it. Who knows? You might have, Here we go. What so we got two, a nub. Ooh, this? Okay, let's see what we got. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I make, I go through a whole podcast and I don't make one crack at you, one joke, one nothing, and then you, I got a nub. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, we did. What 2008 French horror movie... Involved the flaying of the main character in order to allow her to reach a state of transcendence. <laughs> what the fuck? We what, might... 2008? 2008 French horror movie involved the flaying of the main character in order to allow her to reach a state of transcendence. You might have to put your eggs in this Wes Craven question basket, man. 2008 French horror movie? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I guess I'll go back to the Wes Craven one. Say it one more time. Here we go. Because I know his movies. I just haven't seen them all, so I'm just trying to... Wes Craven directed what? 1991 film about two adults and a juvenile who break into a brother and sister's house and find something disturbing. Wes Craven film from 1991. Two adults and a juvenile. Breaking into house. I think I have the right answer, but it could be something. Let me just. All right. You have to say. The people under the stairs. Down is the people under the stairs. (laughs) Nicely done, dude. Fucking nicely done. And just fucking French flick is. And just to uh, yeah, just to answer that in case people are wondering, the 2008 French horror movie, it was uh, Martyrs. Martyrs. (laughs) So, luckily you pulled out that Wes Craven question. Congrats, impressive. I pulled out my nub on that one. You really put your nub on the line, and the line is tiny too. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you put. Your... <laughs> Let's not make these reoccurring characters. <laughs> Dylan, 
You win after two weeks of me picking these flicks. I made you watch Microwave Massacre. Uh, I made you not rewatch House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> what will we be covering on the next podcast? I want to talk about this movie uh, I just watched called The Guest from okay. 2018, I think. Know nothing about it. Is it on anything? Netflix, I think, right now. Perfect. The Guest. 2018? I think so. Okay. We, I know it, maybe 2016, be... 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. Okay. Well, we really <laughs> covered a lot of ground. <laughs> somewhere between 2004 and, and 2018. Now. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here. The Guest is what we will be covering next week. I have no idea. I've never heard of it. I Wait, no, I think I might have actually seen the poster for this. Anyway, that's what we'll be covering next week. You do your research, find and watch this movie. I know I have to, and that's what we'll be covering next week. Dylan, are we at, at Horrorflix Podcast on Instagram? Yeah. Boom, baby. Yeah, 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 we are. Woo. <laughs> Finally got it, daddy. And that's it. Rob Zombie. Dracula! Burn through the witches! <laughs> <and> <laughs>